Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hola, amigos. This is Ray Hudson from Bean Sports and Sirius XM FC. And you are listening to Barca Talk. Today on Barca Talk, La Liga is back and FC Barcelona traveled to the island of Mallorca where they earned a 4-0 victory led by Lionel Messi with a goal and two assists. Barcelona were able to restart their league campaign with a comfortable win as Martin Brethwaite and Jordi Alba scored as well. Hello everyone and as the great Ray Hudson says, you are listening to Barca Talk. I am your host, just outside of Seattle, Washington, Cole Ridley, and joining me today is Gabriel over in Madrid. How are you, brother? Good, man. Uh, it's a late night, but I'm 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 up for it, and yeah, ready to talk a little bit of Barca. You know, it's really exciting to have them back, and you know, we've been talking the previous weeks about Bundesliga and so forth, and I just could not watch it. But man, I watched all the games of La Liga essentially this these past two days. Yeah, I, I like Alejandro and I were saying we're spoiled. Uh, Bundesliga is a bit different. It's much much more physical. It's not as tactical, and we don't have an interest in it. We don't care if you know Ibar upsets, uh, or excuse me, we do care if Ibar upsets Real Madrid. But we don't care if Paderborn all of a sudden makes a stunning effort against Dortmund. Um, so it's it's definitely nice to have some familiar teams with. Familiar uh, players and actually have chips in the uh, basket this time. For sure. And that's the other thing, too. I think also, you know, as we are Barca fans, just to see Messi again out there roll out the, you know, I was watching the Real Madrid match and yeah, they they kind of had the same performance as Barcelona as well. They, they had a quick goal and they kind of just cruised to victory. And it's been an interesting theory that's been passed around here on Twitter uh, of La Liga, essentially that the top tier teams, you know, especially with the millionaire players, since they have their own gyms and so forth, are better prepared for this kind of transition as opposed to like the lower tier teams, like, for example, Mallorca, that don't have the facilities at home, you know, because they were saying like, you know, you see Sergio Ramos doing CrossFit at his own home gym, you know, and then like a player of Ibar just doesn't have the same type of facility. That's interesting. I I actually have not seen any of that, but that is definitely... Something that could be looked into. I don't think that it's unfair in, in any way. It's part no. of the different, but but it's definitely something worth talking about, especially with fans of those lower teams. That there's definitely some sort of you know missed opportunity there for sure. Well, Gabrielle, you have something to remind our listeners uh, before we jump into the league match review. Yeah, we you know we are still trying to grow our Patreon community, and so you know after this quarantine, we've kind of brainstormed to try to figure out new content ideas for everyone so that we can continue to do this podcast after the season. And so the first thing, uh, we have new content. We just released the oral history of the 2007-2008 FC Barcelona season. That's three episodes. The first episode is going to be available for everyone, and episode two and three will be available for our patrons. So that's another perk for that. The other thing, too, is... um. After each game now, Alejandro and I are going to be doing a post-game interactive show 
just for our Patreon. So we'll put the link there. We're trying to grow the community just try, and also trying to get immediate reactions as well, um, especially, you know, me being here in Madrid and just trying to get that perspective from Spain. And the last thing, too, is we added Mariana Guzman, who's a journalist based in Barcelona, and she's going to give us her kind of three keys, three takeaways before each match. And it's really cool because she is actually able to get access to the Camp Nou during games. Obviously, right now, journalists are restricted, so she can't go. But, you know, hopefully, uh, if the, the restriction gets lifted off in a couple of weeks, she'll be able to do some content for us from the Camp Nou. So we're really excited to add, add her to the Barza Talk team. And so, you know, as as we, we've been pleading uh, for a couple of months now, we were doing really well. And we, we appreciate everyone that has stuck with us during this quarantine. Uh, but we're looking to continue to grow. And, you know, we want to continue to do this podcast going forward, especially since we've added you, Alejandro, and now Mariana. So, so yeah, so that's what we got going on. And, you know, we, like I tweeted out this weekend, really good content that we kind of put together especially the oral history that took me a couple weeks to prepare and do all the interviews. And I think it came out really well. And now for our Barca Talk Guard of Honor for patrons who will help fund this podcast, Adam, Adam Pritchard, Adams Pascarelli, Alejandro, my primo, Alex Song. Thank you for support and helping us continue to create Barca content from Spain. So after the break, we'll do the match review of Mallorca. Welcome back to Barca Talk. We're going to break down the 4-0 victory over Mallorca to bring Barcelona back into action. Just a reminder of the lineup. Mark Arne, Ter Stegen in goal, Sergio Roberto, Pique, Ronald Araujo makes his first career start for Barcelona, and Jordi Alba in the defensive line. In the midfield, it was Sergio Busquets, Arturo Vidal, and De Jong pairing up. And up front, it was Messi, Griezmann, and Martin Brethwaite making the rounds. Key stats to give you guys a better understanding if you could not catch it. Barcelona had about 65% of possession in that match. They were actually outshot in total for the match. Mallorca had 13 shots, Barcelona's 12, but they couldn't put them all on target. Barcelona had seven to Mallorca's three, and there was a lot of fouls in this game. Yeah, obviously from the Mallorca side. I mean, again, just as we were kind of just hinting at the fitness, you know, when you're tired and you're not fit, you're going to foul a lot. And that was definitely mm-hmm. the case in this match. Mallorca, a lot of times, especially between, I would say, minute 30 to minute 60, especially in that tough part, they definitely fouled a lot. And they were kind of behind. And especially since we were up to nothing up to that point, they were really chasing the game. And again, mm-hmm. you know, it, it it wasn't a dirty game by any means. Like, it wasn't like they were going for dirty plays, but it was just no, no. a lot of times they were just being caught out, you know, and mm-hmm. they just had to foul to stop the counters, especially in the second half. Yeah, I, I also would say that the second half, it seemed like Barcelona stretched the pitch a lot more. So anytime they did get close, it it just came into a mental, you know, I'm tired. I'm going to foul you just so we can have a second here. Um, but let's jump right into it. So so big key takeaway here is Ronald Araujo's first career start. Legmeg was suspended and there was doubts of Umtiti's uh, fitness, whether or not he had fully recovered from his previous injury. One of the many, uh, Araujo got the start. What do you think about that, Gabriel? How was his performance? Yeah, I think I think definitely was you know one of the standout performances. You know, especially 
you know, it's his first professional start, essentially. Um, we've been mm-hmm. clamoring to see him more a little bit. Um, Setien had the faith to go with him. And again, he was very involved. I mean, he had a lot of passes, you know, he had 104 total passes. So he was very involved. And more importantly for me, I want to see him come play a little bit more, you know, especially now that we need the depth. I mean, you know, when I was mm-hmm. watching the Sevillan Derby, for example, on Thursday, there was four players that went down with cramps and muscle injuries. So this is really important for these first two to three games to manage those injuries and make sure no one gets hurt. And I think Arahu's mm-hmm. definitely going to help. I mean, you know, it's always the hardest thing ever, right, to come into this type of match. You just can't screw up and you have a lot of pressure on you. And he was able to do that. I mean, I think he only had one bad play where he let Kubo kind of twist him a, a little bit in the box and Kubo got a really good shot off. But other than that, I mean, he was really good in the air. And you know how these mm-hmm. Uruguayan defenders are. They're just tough. Yeah, I also think it, it's important to note that he he actually got this opportunity with a bunch of other stars, right? In the Copa, we saw a lot of youngsters get their opportunity, but you know when you're not surrounded with more players who are um, more developed in the Barça theory or or have just been there for ten years, like PK Busquets, Messi, it's a different kind of opportunity. So I think he played there and he rose to that occasion and he and he met the level of. Um, of his teammates, which, which is definitely um, uplifting considering we, we need that depth. As he said, Messi dominated. That's, that's <laughs> all I'm going to say just to start off there. Um, he, there was some doubts in the last, I think it was the last 10 days. Maybe um, he had done some individual training. Um, there was worry about his abductor injury again, but he started the match. He played all 90 minutes he um he is now the leading scorer or he was the leading scorer he is definitely the leading scorer now with 20 goals and 14 assists he has scored 20 or more goals in 12 consecutive la liga seasons and he is the first and only player to ever do that gabriel was your take on the goats performance <laughs> i mean in my conversation with Samara Hunter, Hunter last week, you know, she kind of mentioned that she wasn't ocu- you know, preoccupied with this injury. I was a little bit, especially after the long break. But again, he knows his body really well. And you could just see mm-hmm. the way he was moving. And I also think the positioning that Setien had him where I think this is the first time in a long time where Messi was truly a number 10 behind the forward line, you know. Yeah. And with that, um, he was able to play make a lot more. And he didn't have to sprint. And that's the biggest thing when you have mm-hmm. this type of injury with quads and adductors and so forth. But again, I mean, he's closing on some other records. But again, the first thing I, I always look at this record that caught, caught my eye is essentially the 12 consecutive seasons and, and especially playing not as a true traditional forward. I mean, mm-hmm. that's got to be the most impressive, right? Yeah, absolutely. It's We think back to those days when he wasn't a traditional forward. And then he walked out on the pitch the other day and he looked like that, didn't he? Yeah, yeah. I, I think I think that was 2011 Leo Messi out there. He looked just like him. It was, it was wild. I think that that fear is in the back of our minds. He does turn 33 this month. We know he's not going anywhere with that release clause. It passed and he will stay at the Count Now for another season. Um, although I'm sure he could at any point do what he pleases. But um, to, to just think of... All of you know those performances that he had, not playing on the forward line, and to always have that sort of a tally mark is something that I don't think we'll ever see again. Yeah, I mean, he, I mean, he's clearly the best number ten. I mean, ever. I mean, again, the other thing too is you know what do you want from a number ten, right? First, you always think of playmaking, and what does that involve? Mm-hmm. Goals and assists. And again, he's leading La Liga in both, and not by a mm-hmm. little bit, not. 
by no, a small no. margin, right? And that's the no. thing, especially with the assist. I mean, that to me, again, it's one of those things where he could be more selfish at times. You know, he could be, mm-hmm. right? And then look for yeah. more goals. But his ability with his passing, especially in this game, we're going to talk about the goals that, that occurred. But again, it's just his vision. And also now with his free kicks, it, you put him in the middle of the park. And I really hope Setien really exploits this. And we're going to talk about more about the the attacking trident that I want to see. But if mm-hmm. if 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 Setien's able to just really unleash his number 10 potential, because we haven't really seen it, you know, I mean, really, really seen it. Because for the most mm-hmm. part, he always starts right and then drifts to the middle. Right. But if mm-hmm. you clearly put him in the middle and you saw in this match, he was able to drift right a bunch of times as well. And you can see the danger that he just continually possesses. And again, I when I was watching the Real Madrid match. And it's just crazy, like, when people are just saying, like, Benzema, you know, and, like, what does that guy do? Like, nothing to me, you know? And and when you see Messi just do the magic that he does, and like you said, it's dominance. And again, another thing, Cole, he's coming up on a crazy record on Pelé. Yes, he is approaching the 643 mark, uh, the total goals scored for Pelé at Santos. Messi is now 15 shy of that. Do you think he will grab that in this 11, well, now 10-game sprint? I mean, I definitely think he'll come close, you know. And, again, I mean, he's going to surpass this soon enough. But, again, to put in 10, I mean, you're asking 15 in 10 games. That's pretty preposterous, even for Messi. But you never know. You never know. But at the same time, Mm -hmm. you know, when you think of all these numbers, uh, again, just the consistency, especially for me, the 20 goals plus in 12 consecutive seasons is just – because – you know, when you think of the best forwards, the best number nines ever in history, they maybe had three to four years of peak greatness, right? Yep. And then all of a sudden they, mm-hmm. they really tailored off, right? I mean, I think of like Thierry Henry was like one of the standouts, traditional forwards mm-hmm. that had a really consistent long season of scoring a lot of goals. And he still mm-hmm. doesn't come to the same close. And the other thing, I mean, as we uh-huh. just said, Messi's not a traditional forward. That's the other yeah. thing, you know? It's it's a whole new role that one day we're eventually going to be seeing where players or coaches try and put players in those situations, but it, it'll never be matched. My take on this 10-game sprint to get 15, I hate to say, to, or I hate to doubt yeah. you know, Messi because, you know, he, he will prove us wrong time and time again. <laughs> Um, but it doesn't matter whether it's this season or whether it's in the fall. Um, that'll be another record to celebrate. Let me ask you this. What do you think of his new hairstyle? <laughs> oh, I loved it. As I said earlier, the beard's gone. Now I, I think it, he looks like 20, 2010 more than 2011 back when in that 9-10 season. Um, but that, that's a scary looking message. I feel like, I feel like he looks like his old younger self. And I think that players maybe in the, in the game they're you know, they're, Oh, it's messy. It's messy. And then all of a sudden they, they see that, that exact hairstyle and then that exact face of that they had watched on YouTube yeah. for years and just him destroying Real Madrid, destroying Chelsea, all these massive clubs. Sorry, Chelsea is not massive. <laughs> I, I had sorry, I had to I had to correct myself there. Man, you, who, whoever it was, and I, I, I'm wondering if maybe they're just kind of hold on a second. Like Messi's running at me, but like this looks like the younger Messi, the the more scary, the more yeah. dominant Messi, um, who, who's who's a lot quicker. But we know uh, he he's not fooling any of us. <laughs> yesterday, there was some points where I I could definitely see 
that it was not a some mythical creature. It was in fact thirty three year old Messi, not sure. um, not twenty two year old. Um, Gabriel, let's move on. Ter Stegen, he broke a passing completion record for goalkeepers. Since the 2005-06 season, no goalkeeper has ever surpassed a 94% success rate in a single match. Ter Stegen did that yesterday. Yeah, pretty crazy. I mean, is he now the best passing goalkeeper you've ever seen? He's definitely up there. Um, on the ball, yes. Maybe not with the ball. Okay. If, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, that if, makes sense. You know, th- yeah, there, there's there's different elements to it. I mean, I just, you know, when I think of passing goalkeepers now, obviously Manuel Neuer's up there, you know. Um, mm-hmm. But I just think Ter Stegen is just a better fluid passer. He's able to, especially like, you know, when he needs to go over the top, he can dime it very softly. And he's mm-hmm. just so comfortable with the ball. I mean, again, the biggest thing here that I was looking at was now with Setien having the, like kind of a full preseason with the team, essentially, you know, through this quarantine, essentially. Mm-hmm. I think that he's going to install more of the wingback system with Alba and Sergio Roberto. And when that happens, Ter Stegen essentially becomes the third center back. And mm-hmm. you saw that how many times that, especially when he was involved with Orahu, that's why they had so many passes with each other. Ter Stegen mm-hmm. now is a third center back with PK there as well. And so when that happens... You know, it's it's really it's awesome because you're basically unleashing Alba and Sergio Roberto to go bomb up those sides, but you're still defensively sound. And now, obviously, Ter Stegen, you know, what can you say? It's another shutout and he mm-hmm. continues to press. I mean, when he's asked to, you know, make a save, he does it. And that's all you can really ask for a Barca keeper. But he he always makes the spectacular save as well. Yeah, it's something that we've noticed definitely this season, but a bit of glimpses into last season, teams would really press Ter Stegen when he had the ball, um, or at least act like they were going to, and then immediately back off to then try and cut his angle, make him force a long ball. He's essentially our quarterback now who's starting every single possession, um, whether we pick it up in our attacking third or in our um, defending third. He's that first pass that kind of dictates where the ball is going to be played or or at least the type of ball that has played over the top or anything. I think that he has been the number one for quite some time now um, in the world. Definitely deserves it at his national team level. I keep saying that, but <laughs> it's just, it's the, it's a time change of the guard in Germany. Um, I hope he gets it. He definitely deserves it. Every, he just looks like such a stand up guy, you know, wonderful human being. Um, and he definitely loves the, the decision that he made coming to Barcelona. And, and it looks like he's, he's proven that. Gabriel, let's let's jump right into the goals for this match. Um, they started pretty quick. I think I believe it was sixty-seven seconds in. Uh, De Jong picks up the loose ball. He finds Jordi Alba. Our squirrel looks up into the box like he has done a hundred times, um, and he puts a beautiful curled ball into the box. And Vidal, believe it or not, I, I watched this replay over and over again his eyes are completely closed when he makes contact with his ball he's (laughs) hardly looking at the ball um but he puts a good enough pace onto the ball heads it down and under or to the right of the Mallorca keeper one nil barca yeah i got a lot of tweets about this because you know my love of vidal so everyone's like see vidal's in the starting lineup and he scores again now again as i always say like yes he's a good backup but again throughout the game he just doesn't provide the midfield play that I like to see. That's all. I just rather mm. see Artur, for example. But mm-hmm. I'm going to give Vidal his kudos. So I saw a stat today with something like 
he's taken seven or eight shots and five of them in goals, something like this. Uh, so, yeah. Nine, yeah, nine shots, seven goals. Crazy. Yeah, so it's pretty crazy. I, You know, he was in the right place at the right time. I mean, you know, the one thing that he continues to do is that he always streaks through the box. And with the other midfielders, I don't just I don't see that happening. Let's say our tour mm-hmm. is not going through that middle to go for a header, you know. So mm-hmm. Vidal does definitely give us something different there. For me, it was De Jong. The way he was able to steal the ball and then – like the way he slid tackle, you know, it wasn't like a traditional slide tackle. He kind of like inched his way towards the mm-hmm. ball, stole it, got up, passed it to Alba. Then the other thing, which was a, a, a big surprise, was Alba crossing the ball. I mean, yeah, I mean, it, I mean, it, it depends on how, how we're describing it, right? Normally, it's the ball's not played in the air is, yeah. is the point we're trying to make. Yeah. Usually he's he's playing a, a ball close to the turf uh, to find Messi or Suarez. So that was refreshing to see that he's, he still knew how to kick the ball in the air because time and time again, we'll, we'll get to it. But when he has those opportunities on goal, we want him to put the ball in the air, but he always leaves it on the ground. Um, so so it's nice. Yeah, I mean, that was the biggest surprise for me because, again, like you said, we just we haven't seen that ever. And again, maybe mm-hmm. this is just a new way of setting implanting his system a little bit with having a more varied attack because we did definitely have a good varied attack of crosses going down to the byline from the top of the box, taking shots, just creating havoc yeah. more than, more than usual. You know, we just, we were very varied. And so I'm all for it because, you know, especially in champions league, I know it's, it's still, you know, we don't know what's going to be happening with champions league, but when we are in a two game thing, you have to throw everything just to survive, right? We can't just always try to always play our style in La Liga. We can always play our style because we have so many games. Mm-hmm. But the fact that Jordi Alba crossed the ball, and, and I mean, when was the last time he did that? Maybe five years ago? <laughs> Something like that. <laughs> it, it, it had been quite some time. In the 37th minute, Martin Breathwaite becomes the third Danish international to score for Barcelona. It took him 165 minutes to score his first Barcelona goal and open his account. Gabriel, what did you notice about this buildup in this play? Again, he's he's just a hard worker, man. I mean, he's just a a technical striker. You can see that. And he's actually going to take shots, which is pretty refreshing because I think we've been kind of, you know, as we've been talking about, we've just been lacking that. We're always trying to, you know, walk the ball across the line with the beauty setup, you know, which is fine. Mm-hmm. But also, you know, in these matches where you're looking for goal, you need to do everything. But again, he was in the right place at the right time. But also I've been reading about him just, you know, in the last couple of days and so forth that he has really studied where Messi's going to be and where Suarez or Griezmann's going to be so that he would be complementing that on the other side. Mm-hmm. And so in this play, again, it was the same type of thing where, again, De Jong is involved with this. You know, Alba goes to the, to the byline. He does. He tries to do the pullback pass. It gets deflected. De Jong heads it, then Messi heads it, and then Brayway just one times it. And mm-hmm. who else is one timing that? I mean, maybe Suarez, obviously, but, you know, it's just good to see that we have this kind of forward mm-hmm. that's actually going to try to get goals. Yeah, I would agree that Suarez could potentially one time that and there's other forwards out there, but a lot of them would get discouraged about it. You know, Breathway is still new. 165 minutes. It's less than two games. The performances he made so far in Barcelona have been very, very promising, in, in my opinion. They've been refreshing like you said like to see a guy just head down hardworking, determined and in my opinion i think he's working his ass off mm. um to to really learn the system learn where his teammates are and everything and he he's he just looks like a very determined player and 
he definitely has that mentality as seen through his social. He, he's really, I'm not going to say full of himself because maybe he has an opportunity to back it up here. Um, this is everyone's dream, right? Pray, playing in Barcelona. That, that's the thing. I think he, he, you know, especially in his age, right? Like he is a little bit older in his career. You know, he's not young, not mm-hmm. the youngest, right? And so he appreciates this opportunity and you can just see it. You know, he's not as scared of the moment. He's taking this opportunity. I mean, you saw in the, the other game that he played for, he had really good opportunities as well because he's looking for goal. You know, I think maybe that desperation that he had in Leganes where you don't take those chances, right? Because with Leganes, you're just trying to, you're just trying everything to get one mm-hmm. goal, right? You're scrapping. And so he has that same mentality that he's bringing here. And I think that's good because we want more goals. You know, obviously you get more goals. It's more comfortable. We don't have to play defense done and done. We get the three points and I'm really excited. I mean, I want to talk about this attacking trident potential because I think pairing him and Suarez or him and Griezmann has is delicious with Messi behind them. I mean, that's my, Mm -hmm. my thing, but again, you see the hard work that he does and it's much appreciated. You know, you can see Mm -hmm. that and it kind of just translates and everyone likes to play with him as well. Yeah. That, that as well. Gabriel, in the 79th minute, it was 3-0 Barcelona. Jordi Alba gets his goal. That that one goal he just comes up with late in the games when we've already been dominating. And he just, you know, randomly decides to shoot instead of pass it this time. This one time, right? He connects nicely with Breathwaite, um, who then finds Messi. And Messi obviously finds Alba continuing the run, darting past the defense. Now it's just him and the keeper. And he slots it to the keeper's right. It leads to the question of why doesn't Alba shoot more? Because he has that ability to slot a pass. Yeah, you know this is the this is the age old question, especially with Alba, especially with his background being a forward when he was a child. You know, so he should have that natural knack just to shoot. With this one, you know, obviously it's a beautiful pass from Messi just to look up and just flip it over so easily. I mean, I'm just I'm always in awe of the, the pace <laughs> that he's able just to do that. I mean, that's so hard to do, you know, to mm-hmm. just to do that and. uh you know, consequently, Alba just, you know, usually Alba would take one more touch mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden the keeper comes out and then there's no goal. But Alba, I don't see this. Is the other thing, I don't know if there's a directive now from Seti and the coaching staff just to say whoever's on goal now to shoot, because mm-hmm. there is a difference. Like you can kind of yeah. see that, that, you know, we were more varied. Um, everyone was trying to take more shots and you can kind mm-hmm. of see that. And with that happening, the defense of Mallorca could not just hone in on the specifics of Alba going back and doing the the typical pass and the typical mm-hmm. things that we like to do. So again, I want Alba to shoot more. You know, we always talk about this. You're inside the box. It's a good shot. Take it. Like it's, it, you're good enough. And again, like you said, this is kind of the typical Alba goal where he comes up that side and hits a short side with his left foot. Yeah. Now I think most of the time, uh, if Jordi Alba is running, if you're the goalkeeper and Jordi Alba is running straight at you with no defender, you might want to position yourself to def- to stop his shot, but you also yeah. might want to just look for Messi. And just yeah. be like, all right, I'm gonna set, I'm gonna move off here. You can shoot it if you want, but I think you're just gonna pass it to Messi because we've seen it time and time again. Um, but again, but again, the other thing too with this play is Braithwaite being involved, and that's the mm-hmm. thing. The other thing I, you know, when I was watching the replay of this goal, it's just the way he's able to already understand his spacing and when to come back to the ball. So like on this mm-hmm. play, he asks for the ball and just finds Messi on a very quick. A one-time pass, and then and then Messi's able to go over the top because he saw Alba already beforehand. Now, obviously, mm-hmm. there's a controversy of the offsides there because it did look offsides in real time. But obviously, with the VAR yeah. invisible line, it wasn't offsides, and it was a really good goal and three nothing basically game set Guillermo for Barcelona there. 
It wouldn't be Barcelona returning to action without a messy goal, right? And that extra time, uh, 94th minute, he scores a right-footed shot. Uh, does take a quite the deflection off a typical Luis Suarez pass, um, and it's 4-0 Barcelona. Messi gets his goal. Yeah, again, this is just talking about the, his positioning as the number 10. I mean, in this goal, he's directly in the center. And that's the other thing, too, is that, you know, if he's directly in the center, he has more ability and chances to make plays. I mean, you saw with the Alba pass in the previous goal, but also he was just, I mean, he was on the right side a couple more times than usual, but also at the same time, he wasn't so committed as he usually is as a winger. And again, this goal looked like it was going to go in either way. Either it was not deflected or not, because just the way he was able to get that, you know, he did that patented move, except on the right side where he just kept pushing, pushing, pushing. And then mm-hmm. hit it, and yeah, it was a really nice finish. And obviously, you know, getting another goal. And I mean, I think the most important thing is getting that early goal in the second mm-hmm. minute, because from that, Barcelona was able to just kind of really ease into the game and not look desperate, you know. And that's where like kind of yeah. the injuries and all that stuff, because you know, all of a sudden it's one nothing. It's just kind mm-hmm. of like oh. We're, nice. we're okay. Exactly. Yeah. We're okay. Mm-hmm. We can kind of get into this, feel it out. And then obviously with the second goal, it was even easier. Yeah. And, and just to remind everyone, this was, you know, Goliath versus, you know, tiny, tiny little David. Mallorca sat in 18th um, at the time of this kickoff. So this was a game that Barcelona should have won, should have dominated. Um, and they did so, although the stats don't exactly tell that story um, with with. Barcelona being outshot. We'll move on to some numbers now. It was 156 days since Luis Suarez last played for Barcelona, and it was his first official appearance under Kike Setien. I mean, it's crazy to think about because when I was looking up at this, these numbers, you know, he hasn't played since January. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like June 15th. Wow. Like, it's just, you know, so, yeah. so long ago. And especially when you think about it, his last game was the Supercopa. Exactly. You know, Valverde's last match, essentially. And so, you know, I think he looked fine. It's just, you know, I always just laugh because even though he has been recovery and got the full, you know, okay from the medical staff, he still looks like he's out of shape, you know, because <laughs> a couple yeah. of times, you know, I, I, the rest of the team looked decent and fine, but like him running down a couple balls, I remember he ran for one that was like a 20 yard ball. He ran and he finally got to it and they couldn't pass it. And this is his face was just, you know, oh man, I'm so tired. I'm over this already. You know, it was a little bit of playtime with my best friend, um, with Messi yeah, yeah, up there. Yeah. They, they, they kept playing balls back and forth to each other. Um, but you know, we're just going to have to get used to it because a lot of the times it does result in, uh, some pretty fantastic, uh, goals and opportunities. Yeah, real quick, you know, and just talking about the Messi goal, I mean, it was such a bad pass again from Suarez to start it. I mean, if you watch <laughs> yeah. the replay, it's like you just have to hit his feet, you know, or lead him mm-hmm. a little bit, and he hits it behind him. And it's like those are the things that just irk me a little bit because yeah, when I played, that was the thing that I tried to focus on was to either lead someone or hit him to their feet. I hated giving them the bad pass. And so when I see mm-hmm. it – it drives me crazy because I know Messi's like, come on, man, just just leave me like two feet. It would have been so much easier. I mean, he still was able to score, but it's just like, yeah. you know, these type of things. But, you know, it's good to have him back because obviously it just helps with the depth going forward. Yeah, absolutely. Another number to take away from this match, Ivan Rakitic, his 300th official appearance with Barcelona. No player since he arrived to the Camp Nou has played 300 games. He is the first to do so since the 14-15 season. It's pretty crazy, right? I mean, you think about 
all the hate that's on him, you know, that people love to hate him essentially. But mm-hmm. I mean, you can't argue with that. 300 games. That's pretty impressive. And again, mm-hmm. I want to see him play more. I think he's still valuable to the team, especially with this campaign. I just, mm-hmm. we are just lacking something on that right side of the midfield. It doesn't matter if it's Vidal or Rakitic. It's, it, there's just something we're missing. I don't know if that gets solved with like, let's say Ricky Puj or, or Artur or something like this, but you know, you think about the game the whole time, right? When Sergio Roberto has the ball, he's either bypassing the midfield, you know, going up mm-hmm. to the next next level, yep. <laughs> or we never go to the right side. Everything is played on the left side. Everything is played on the left side. So mm-hmm. we still need to figure that out for these next eight games. But again, I personally prefer Rakitic over Vidal because I just think Rakitic has more experience with the team, understanding the mm-hmm. system, and he actually goes mm-hmm. back to the ball to pass one time. Yes, I, I am a huge advocate for the Croat. <laughs> um, I think that I hate to see all the backlash these season. The thing I always just say is remember he is following orders, you know, from a coach, from his manager. Um, you know, if his manager is telling him to play that one time back pass, don't even turn, don't even look upfield. Eventually, if that's not what the manager wants, he will say that. But 300 games nonetheless is very, very impressive to put it in per- into perspective. Um, Denny Alves had 390, so Rakitic yeah. is, is two, you know, two seasons underneath that, and half the time, right? Yeah. Um, for, for a legend that Danny Alves is. And speaking of fullbacks, Jordi Alba will not be available against Leganes at home on Tuesday. He has suspension now due to yellow card accumulation. Do you think we see Furpo? Do yeah. you think we see three at the back? No, I, th- I think I think we see Furpo, and obviously he did this on purpose as well because now he's back for the Sevilla match after that. So obviously it was a calculated yellow card, which is fine. Yep. Mm-hmm. But um, you know, I think I think Furpo will be fine because I think Setien knows how to communicate. I, I just feel that Setien is just a a far better communicator because, like for example. You know, during the water break, the oranges and water break, the first one, <laughs> you know, Barcelona <laughs> wasn't playing that good in that, like the last eight minutes leading to that water break. But then after that, they kind of got, he got them refocused and they were able to kind of go forward from that. So mm-hmm. I think, you know, you know, everyone already was nervous about Furpo before, but I think he'll be good enough. And especially against Leganes, I think we should be okay, especially playing at home at the camp now. I agree. And speaking of Leganes, uh, Martin Breathway, do you think that he makes, He's starting lineup again against his yes. former side. Yeah, 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 for sure. I think, I think, I think he's going to go with the same lineup with Braithwaite, Griezmann, and, and Messi going forward. Um, I just, you know, going into this, you know, I we can just talk about this. Try it. I mean, I think the key for this team is not to have a three forward system. I mean, you mm. can, I think having, you know, either Suarez or Griezmann or Suarez or Braithwaite, mm. those two guys, but you need, I think having them as a pairing up top and then Messi right behind them Messi is lethal, him. you know, because then you get the best of both, right? You get Messi's playmaking. So also in the defense doesn't know what's going on, but then now mm. you have Braithwaite, who's a hard worker, like pretty physical forward going along with Griezmann or, um, or Suarez. And also with Griezmann, you know, in this match, he it was still difficult for him, you know, and and it, the thing is he's still lined up too wide. We need him up narrow, and I think if we have him narrow, yeah. we can we can really unlock Griezmann. And all of a sudden, you know, again, we we cannot forget that Griezmann is a world class player, and mm-hmm. he's stuck all by himself on the left island over there. That he's just not that's just not his forte, you know. And so yeah. I want to see a two forward system, almost like a four four two, right? Like where you have that mm-hmm. going forward. I mean, 
What do you think? What do you think is our best attacking trident up there? There's two things. I'm a huge advocate for having that natural wide playing wingers. And when you have Lionel Messi in your lineup, that means that you are either having only one striker because Messi's going to drift in, and but he'll start on the wide or whatever, or you're going to have two and you're going to have Messi in the middle with no striker. You know, there's pros and cons to each. So personally, I would want a natural wide playing winger, but we don't have anyone besides Ansu Fati. And it's it's tough to say like for me he's probably going to be the kid who recovered or excuse me he's going to be the player who recovers the quickest after all these being so young um you know he, this is this is something that you're used to growing up you play three days apart in tournaments all over your country or your your region so i would say that i want a natural wide playing winger but i don't think that that's what barca should be doing especially under kike setien i would agree with you i think that that 4-4-2 is more suitable to setien's style of play and how he likes to build up so messy underneath um but i actually don't think i would want breathweight and suarez on the pitch at the same time i think i would want griezmann and then one or the other for for the reason being breathweight and suarez will always be that most forward player um, I think that typically when Griezmann gets in on goal one-on-one, it's from a um, darting pass through the center or maybe even out wide and he, he cut, cuts behind a fullback or something. So having a player who, you know, Suarez and Brethway are always going to be that that most further Barcelona player uh, up the pitch. And having two of those just doesn't really seem to work with Messi, who's going to play a one-two um, or a a one two one two back and forth to him. So I think that Griezmann and one of the other would be my attacking trident moving forward. I think right now until Suarez proves himself that he's back to that level, it's Messi, Breathweight, Griezmann. There's a lot of pace up front as well with Griezmann and Breathweight too, which is something that Barcelona has been lacking for uh, years now, ever since Neymar left. Really, I mean, I understand your your faithfulness to the winging system, but I, you know, especially with our roster right now, I just think yeah. you just go with the strength, right? So, like, you, mm-hmm. I just, I think you just interchange those three forwards for two positions, and you just rotate mm-hmm. them, you know, like like you did in this game. I think. Yeah. Like you said, if it was a regular four four two, you know, we saw with Valverde where he just put Messi and Suarez up top, you're basically losing sixty percent of the field because Suarez mm-hmm. is only gonna go through the middle, Messi's gonna do his stuff, but you don't have anything on the left, you don't have anything on the right. And mm-hmm. you know, it's just especially when you are using Alba and Roberto up the wings, you you're basically having Messi as like the top tier midfield position all of a sudden now, right? And then he's able to distribute with those two forwards. You know, it's all about the positioning, running off each other, crossing. And I think Griezmann would really benefit. From, I think Griezmann would benefit the most out of this type of formation because he was so used to this in Atletico Madrid. And so, you know, I want to see Griezmann be successful for Barcelona because if he can score, then all of a sudden we are just lethal. I mean, lethal mm-hmm. because. Griezmann is very clinical and that is, is one yeah. of the things, you know, and with all his experience and his abilities that he's able to do, I just, you know, I still feel that they're still not looking for him. You know, in this match, mm-hmm. there's a couple of times where it just looks like he just gets bypassed. You know, it's like the kid mm-hmm. that they don't want to play with. And it's it's a little bit frustrating. And <clears throat> I see that he's definitely looking to, to be involved and do stuff. But I just feel like everyone else is just kind of not trying to pass to him. It's, that's interesting. I didn't really think about it in that way that people don't want to include him. I, I always kind of got the perception that he's not in the right place and, and players are recognizing that and they're not they're they're saying can't pass you. You're, you're, that's not where you should be. You should be on this shoulder or, or, or wherever. Um, 
that's the more kind of vibe I got from it. And the other thing that I always notice with Griezmann, especially in the box, I always feel like he's not shooting like he would be at at um, at the Roca Madrid or, or for the French national team. I think he's he's always has his head up. He's looking for Suarez or Messi. One time that you are a, a lethal striker, you're world class, you're a World Cup winner. If you're in the box and you have a yard and a half, um, especially on his left foot, he has a beautiful left foot who can curl the ball. I think that he needs to shoot more, basically. Well, I want you next time they play. Obviously, you know, in, in like seventy-two hours, essentially, <laughs> just 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 watch and just look how crowded it is around him all the time, right? All the mm-hmm. time, and that is like two things. It's because Messi is always near him, so he brings a crowd, but also just the positioning. And to your point, I just don't think the players really think that intensely about he's in the wrong position because mm-hmm. it's not like, for example. In American football, when you drop a specific play and a wide receiver mm-hmm. does the wrong route, then all of a sudden you're like, he's in the wrong place. But, mm-hmm. you know, just like basketball, football is so fluid that you see a guy, if he's open and in a good space just to like receive or do something, you're going to pass to him. I don't I don't really think it's that cut and dry like what you said, where it's like, oh, mm-hmm. he's in a bad position. I'm not going to pass to him. I just next time, you know, just just watch. And yeah, just, yeah, yeah. Like, just just look how many defenders are around him. Compared to like on the right side, if he was on the other side, right? Because Messi's mm. always drifting to the left and he's just bringing that amoeba mm-hmm. defense with him. I mean, you also have Alba there and you have Dijon and all of a sudden you have five people. And so they're automatically going to put six people. And so, like you said, maybe he needs to shoot more, but also at the other time is when he gets the ball and he turns around, he's already got two players on him for the most part. Mm. And you can't expect him to do that much with it. Now, again, yeah. I, that's why I also think with tactically in the spacing, if you just keep Messi more central and then you have the two up front, then all of a sudden the defenders can't just pick on one one player in one spot. I think regardless, Griezmann needs to play on the right rather than the left. That's where he's he's more suited if he's going to play up, up top. Gabriel, is there anything we missed here? I think the only thing we have left to say is, um, you know, get some sleep because Barca's right back at it um, <laughs> to, uh, tomorrow uh, against Leganes. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, I my only my only quick thing is, you know, I'm, I'm glad to see Barca back. I was mm-hmm. watching a video and it was just like, man, I just forgot how much joy Messi brings just to watching football again. And yeah. again, you know, here, especially here in Spain, how we are going through the de-escalation process, uh, you know, we're in phase two. But it just seems now more and more with each coming kind of day just feels like more normal. And especially to have La Liga back, it's 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 a lot of fun to have it back. It's definitely given all of us a bit of life. I, we hope it's given you a bit of life as well with whatever stage of this global pandemic you are. And we just want to wish everyone health. Um, and just remember, Messi is going to be on a football pitch again very soon. Uh, until next time, Vizca Barca. Sports Social Podcast Network.